This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 185, Flipping America with Roger Blankenship. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. What does it take to be a leader? That's my question for you. What does it take to be a leader? And how do you know you've led? That's the question that I posed to our guest today, Roger Blankenship. And I want to ask you too. You know, leadership is a term thrown around quite a bit these days, and it's got a whole industry of books backing it, courses and more. But how do you know you've actually begun to become a leader? How do you know you're on the right path? Roger and I speak about that and his real estate work he's done. The accomplishments and leadership Roger shows is unquestionable at this point. So let me tell you a bit about Roger, and then I'd love to introduce him to you for this episode. So Roger Blankenship is the Flipping America guy. His words, not mine. He's host of the nationally syndicated real estate show, Flipping America, which is heard coast to coast three times a week. He's an author, educator motivational and inspirational speaker, and he's a business leader. He's personally fixed and flipped more than 1,000 houses. Roger is an in-demand speaker and business consultant. He's led seminars with groups as large as 5,000, and he has guest lectured at the University of Oslo, briefly serving as a college professor. He's spoken to thousands of U.S. soldiers across the United States and in five trips to Korea, and he's taught basic Bible stories to public school teachers in Siberia, and he's helped build an orphanage in South Africa and homes for the homeless in Guatemala. He leads a national real estate investment club with more than 9,000 members. So people listen when Roger speaks. In addition to purchasing, remodeling, and marketing properties, Roger has founded the Flipping America Mentoring Program, which teaches the science of and art of real estate investing. He and his team are developing the Flipping America Network, a trading platform for real estate investors, and he's written several books on real estate investing. Roger and his team teach seminars in real estate investing and provide coaching for funding both new and experienced investors. So you guys can learn all about this at rogerblankenship.com. With that introduction, I know you guys will take some incredible takeaways on leadership, real estate, and more from our dear friend and our guest today, Roger Blankenship. Take it away, Roger. Roger, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover together today. You've got so many things that you're involved in and your expertise. I I can say I I don't know anybody else with the superpowers you have, but I want to take our, our audience right back to kind of a starter question just to learn more about you. Tell me about the word leadership. What does that word mean to you? How do you define the word leadership? And also, you're obviously a leader. So when did you discover that skill? When did you know, first know that you had the skills to lead? That's interesting. That That's an interesting question. And you did catch me by surprise there. Um, I define a, a leader as somebody who has people following them. 
And then you, you could think for a little while about what makes people follow someone. And I, I kind of think it's a combination of different things. Some of those things are real and some of those things are perceived, but people perceive that here's a person who has ideas. Here's a person who inspires. Here's a person that seems like the biggest guy in the room. So maybe we ought to just do what he says. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, that's happened to me because you can't tell because you're there and I'm here. We've never met in person, but I'm 6'5", 275. And, um, you know, played offensive line in college. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And um, so I, I tend to, without even realizing it, I tend to be bigger than people in the room. But, you know, even before I was the biggest guy in the room, I, I don't know what it has been, but I can think back now and you, you know, you didn't give me this question in advance. So I'm just talking off the cuff here, but all the way back to playground days in elementary school. For some reason, I ended up being one of the guys, who, you know, when you pick teams for kickball at the start of recess, I was one of the guys that was picking teams. I don't even know how that happened. Mm -hmm. it, it just sort of happened. Yeah. And then I, I guess I got used to putting an idea out there and people liking it. And the next thing you know, you know, I, I didn't really ever set out to be a leader and I definitely never planned to be a leader in um, the real estate world. I had a whole different career aspiration when I began. Uh, but one of the things is true about me. I am one of those guys that whatever my hand finds to do, I'm going to do it with all my might just because just really because it's my way of honoring God. Just try my hardest or whatever it is I'm doing. That's great. Well, back to kickball and, and uh, childhood on the playground. I was not the first person picked. I was not the second person picked. They went through everybody on the lineup and they started picking things like the light pole, the trash can, the grandma that was walking across the street before I got picked. That's how bad it was for me, man. So good for you. I'm just joking. But uh, so thank you for, for helping us walk down memory lane there. And I love what you say that really it starts early. The idea of gathering a, a community toward a specific mission. And it's those who have followers you might call a leader. It's no more complex than that. But you've created a community and you've created a mission. Could you describe your community and what is the community's mission? Well, the, the Flipping America is the name that we've given this. And uh, <clears throat> it's not just about flipping houses. Our mission is to help people all across the country, be engaged in real estate in realistic ways that are appropriate for their situation. And what I say on my show is just because the name is Flipping America, we don't encourage everyone to drop what you're doing and start flipping houses like you see on TV. We do encourage everyone to consider real estate as a part of a balanced investment portfolio. And our mission with our show is to provide the best information, statistics, examples of things that you can do an understanding of the person that you are and what is a good fit for you and the type of investing strategy you should pursue. And I guess it's not a secret. And I, I say this from time to time, but one of the things that I really want to do before I quit is I want to train at least a thousand people who end up becoming millionaires in real estate. And let me tell you why I do that because it's not about the money. It's not about making a million dollars or having a million dollars in net worth. What I find is I work with a lot of really good people who want to do good in the world. 
you know, they like to have nice things and I like to have a nice car and, and, and things like that. But what we really want to do is make a difference. And most of the people that I help have a charity in mind or a charitable cause or something in mind that they want to support with their extra money. And if I can help them become a real estate millionaire and they can devote a considerable amount of money to that cause, then I can sit back and, and just know that I played a small role in touching the lives of all of the people whose lives are touched by all of the people that I helped get there. And that is what gets me up in the morning and makes me not mind the hours or whatever it is I have to do to, to build this thing. How did this thing get started? Take us all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> People ask me how I got into real estate investing. And I tell them sheer desperation and a lack of communicable job skills. <laughs> um, I spent <clears throat> a, a decent career, 15 years in full-time ministry, traveling and speaking and that sort of thing. Enjoyed it, loved it, but really uh, didn't pay attention to what was going on at home. And uh, I, I lost my relationship with my wife and I don't want to bore you with the long story there, but I realized, you know, I hadn't, I haven't taken care of business at home, so I don't need to be out in front of other people. So I stepped away from the ministry and, um, tried to solve that problem. Ultimately we didn't, but, um, then I needed something else to do. And I had been buying some rental houses and I'd even flipped a few houses because in my own homes that I had owned being not a person with a lot of money, when something would break, it was easier and cheaper for me to figure out how to fix it. And I discovered that I could go down and buy the tools, take a lesson on how to fix it, fix it, still save money and have the tool at the end. And so I was accumulating some tools and some skills and, you know, a lot of things that I fixed, I had to fix two or three times to get it right, but I kept at it and um, had accumulated some skills. So I thought, well, you know, watching this old house, I, I couldn't do it like Norm Abrams, but I can do a lot of things in a house. So when the opportunity was presented to me to flip a house or two, I said, yeah, okay, I'll start taking my days off and supplementing my income flipping houses. And then when it was time for me to leave the ministry, I thought I can just slide into this as a full-time gig. And that was October of 2006. Mm. So that was probably not the best time to dive into full-time, but uh, we managed to make it through the next year and times were difficult and it was lean because we had some properties that we ended up not really making any money on. We didn't lose money on any of them, but um, you can't afford to break even when it's your sole source of income. So uh, it was a little bit of a struggle there for a while, but then we got into a rhythm and we learned how to do this and um, <clears throat> we developed some systems. We realized in the crash of 2008 and nine that we've never had, this is an unprecedented opportunity to buy homes and to get great deals. But we also knew that because at least in our market, the value was dropping by a, a couple of percentage points every month. At one point, there was a county in Georgia, Clayton County, that was had lost 70% of the values in the homes by 2012 when it started to turn around 70%. Wow. So when we were buying these houses, we had plenty of opportunities to buy, but we realized we've got to turn them over quickly because they're going to be worth less in three months than they are now. Yeah. So we started thinking some things about some numbers. I went out and got me some spreadsheet skills. I, I, taught myself how to really do the analytical work that we needed to. And we built the systems so that we could rehab an entire house top to bottom in about seven days. That's replacing the roof, paint, carpet, floor coverings, appliances, 
fixing everything that's broken on the way. Now we're not talking about major remodelings where you're adding rooms or popping the top, nothing, nothing like that. We were just churning it out like production work. And one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, we have more capital, we have more opportunities. There are plenty of opportunities to buy. And we were flipping a hundred houses a year. And I never really made that a part of my life plan. I just worked hard at it and tried to get good at it. And so there we go. Yeah. Then one day I, I started going to um, uh, a networking group called Flipping Atlanta. I didn't found the group. I just want to make that clear. I didn't start the group, but I enjoyed it because there were people there that were doing things. And there were some other people there that were new that we could help get going in the business. And it was just fun. It was, you know, it was at an all you can eat Mexican place. So I love the, all the Mexican food and, and, and just the networking and, and all of that. It was kind of like fellowship for real estate investors. And uh, I'd been a part of that group for a couple of years, but something happened with the leader and she began to fade a little bit and, and uh, kind of lost her mojo. And she just started not showing up for her own meetings. And so those of us that were standing around would like, well, what are we going to do? And uh, finally, she uh, surrendered the group on Meetup. And everyone that's a member of the group, I don't know if you've belonged to any Meetup groups, but we get a notice in, the, in our email that says that the organizer has left the group and Meetup is going to shut the group down. And that made me sad. I didn't want to see this group go. I had made a lot of friends in this group. So I contacted a couple of the other guys that were in the group. I said, why don't you, you know, you, you, you're a leader, you're, you've got experience. Why don't you take over and run this group? And both of them said, no, why don't you? Another game of kickball. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought about it for a minute and I haven't, I didn't know what to do about leading a group. I had no idea, no, no experience and really not even any interest, but I, I didn't want to see this group fail. So I stepped up and became the organizer of this group flipping Atlanta. Um, and we had 229 members in the group and I just did my thing. I showed up for the meetings and the first few were pretty rough. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to promote them. I, um, uh, it was kind of learn as you go, kind of like I've done real estate. And within a year, that group had grown to 1500 members. Wow. And I thought, oh, if you give people value, they'll show up, they'll come, they'll join and they'll participate. And we were having fun. And then my wife and I moved to Midtown Atlanta, which for, if you're not from the city, you might as well consider it part of downtown, but we're actually just north of downtown in the Midtown area. And uh, so we're living in a high rise building here. And one of the things that I wanted when we moved to the city was to be a regular somewhere. And I found this little Italian place that had uh, good food, reasonable prices for Midtown. And I decided I would eat lunch there every Wednesday. And I just started telling people, hey, I'm eating lunch at the Baranda every Wednesday. If you want to come talk real estate, come on. If you don't, that's fine. I'm going there for the food. And a few days, two people showed up. And a few days, no people showed up. And then it was six. And then it was eight. Then it was 15. Then it was 35. Then it was 50. And we settled in around 20 or 25 every single week with no effort at all. I didn't market it. I didn't promote it. I didn't do email reminders. <laughs> People just knew. And then I'm thinking about, you know, this flipping Atlanta thing that I'm doing once a month, we work really hard to, to put a crowd in there. And <clears throat> uh, I don't work at all on for the Wednesday thing. 
And it's just as beneficial. There's no speaker. There's no agenda. It's just me answering questions and us talking back and forth. So we decided to turn Flipping Atlanta into a weekly experience at a different restaurant. And after we did that for a little while, uh, one of the guys that came is this fellow named Gordon Katz. Now, Gordon has been instrumental in founding the National RIA. He knows the people in Chicago. He's introduced me to the people in Chicago running one of the RIAs there. And he helped form the Georgia RIA many, many years ago, back before I was even investing in real estate. Then he also was instrumental in helping form the Atlanta RIA. And now he owns another RIA in North Georgia called the Mountain RIA. And RIA and, stands for, just to inter, uh, sorry to oh, interject here, but real estate, say, say what is uh, RIA? Yeah, for those well, that it's Real know. Estate Investors Association, yep. or sometimes they use the word alliance, Real Estate yep. Investors Alliance. Okay. But, um, it's a club for real estate investors. and. I didn't realize that I had a club going. I was just hanging out with friends and people who want to show up. And Gordon pulled me aside last summer, uh, late last summer. He said, hey, you know what? You've got the makings of a RIA here. Why don't you start one? I thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll think about that. And so we started making some plans and we came up with this vision to have, uh, one of the things I know about running a local group is it's tough month after month to have a speaker lined up that's interesting and relevant and, and to get people to take time from their schedule to show up and speak. You know, after a while, you run out of people that you know, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because uh, three years ago, somebody interviewed me for their radio show kind of like this and said, man, you're a natural at this. You should have your own radio show. And I didn't. I, I didn't want to, that wasn't part of what my plans were, but after three months, he talked me into it and I had to come up with a name. I, I should have, uh, I'm getting out of order in the story here, but um, when I thought about the name, what am I going to name the show? Uh, the, the syndicators contacted me and said, if you will put together a real estate show, we will get a listening audience for you. Don't worry about promoting it. We'll do that. That was more beneficial to me than I ever could have realized. And so, well, I already had this group called Flipping Atlanta. So I thought, oh, let's just call it Flipping America. So we launched in April of 2017. And my syndicators had 20,000 people logged in to hear the first show. And wow. it was terrible. Uh, I pre-recorded the show. I had no idea what I was doing. I had to learn how to use GarageBand to do the, the show because that's what somebody told me to do. And it was a struggle. And I am, uh, I, I spent 15 years traveling the world as a public speaker, but when you sit in front of a microphone with no one there to laugh at your jokes is a whole different experience. And I, I probably did 14 shows or 15 before I started thinking, okay, that show was okay. And it was probably 40 or 50 before I walked into the next room and told my wife, you know, I think today's show was pretty good. Um, so don't go back all the way and listen to show number one, please. <laughs> well, and now, now it's come a long way. You've come a long way from the playground uh, where you've led groups now. And now you've got uh, uh, many people all around the country waiting to see what you have to say next and talk about true leadership. So isn't that interesting? Yeah. And, you know, I didn't plan for any of this to happen, but it's just all it's it, maybe it's what happens when you um, do your best at something you're kind of good at. Yeah. But now, you know, the, the show has, uh, they, they, I just got the September report and, um, 
we had 1.3 million listeners logged in and listening. That doesn't count downloads or what happens in our on-air broadcast. We're also on 17 AM FM stations. So mm-hmm. don't know exactly how many are listening, but it's over a million people a month. And then the uh, we we started the Flipping America RIA that Gordon suggested. And now it's 25 chapters across the country with local groups meeting and tuning into our weekly zoom calls. And basically I took with uh, the weekly meetings we were doing, I just took them indoors with the pandemic and said, all right, we'll do them as a virtual thing. And that became the content for the flipping America RIA. And it probably is going to continue. So I probably won't be back at Baranda, even when the pandemic is over, I'll be in here with a good Wi-Fi signal and, and that's okay because now uh, we're, we just, we are about to cross over 10,000 members in our national network. It's mind blowing. That is, it is. Uh, Roger, I'm curious. So, we can talk about flipping properties and real estate investments. And there are a lot of people who have expertise in picking the right property, fixing up a kitchen, remodeling a bathroom. Yeah. We can talk about that. You know about that. You're an expert in that. But not everybody can create a movement like you're creating and have created. So I want to ask you, I want to go down that road next. If you were to do it all over again, what would you do first? What would, what's the first thing you would do? That is a very good question. And although I didn't really move into any of this with, with a real plan, I think I would probably do it the same way, except I would uh, avoid some of the mistakes that I've made along the way. What are some but, of the bear uh, traps to, to have others who want to build a movement, whether it's to help you know, people cook at home more or get in shape financially or health-wise? What are some of the bear traps to building a community that you'd help us avoid? Well, the first thing that I want to say here, and this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, uh, you've got to have the credibility in order to speak to people from a reserve of knowledge. Otherwise, you're a one-trick pony and a flash in the pan. And I've seen people come and go, and I've seen people build uh, followings 10 times as large as mine on a, a very narrow piece of content, and then they're gone because that's all they know to talk about. And it's funny, I was on a phone call the other day with a, uh, a 20-year veteran of the real estate investment uh, circuit who has traveled around in the seminar thing, and, uh, and also my buddy Eric Tomasi, who is working with me with the Buyers Club. And we were talking about a variety of things, particularly some properties that we were buying, but <clears throat> we we got into uh, what's going on with the federal trade commission shutting down some of these training companies out in Utah and some of the personalities that are involved. And these two guys that were on the phone with me have been around a long time and they know a lot of these people. And they told me that uh, a couple of the people that were just named in some indictments handed down this week have been teaching real estate for years, but don't own any properties have never done any deals. Wow. Hmm. They just know theories but they're good marketers. <clears throat> and the way I think of it is I, I, I basically kind of suck at marketing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what I'm doing or I'd have a, a, a bigger following, but my commitment from the very beginning, and this is what I would say to answer your question is develop your own skills so that you can speak with credibility. And then when anybody listens, give them way more value than they expected. Mm-hmm. Just give and give and give, and it will come back to you. 
somehow or another. It may not come back from that person, but it will come back to you. I'm sure of it. That's great. What, uh, what do you find as you look at this? That's so helpful. First of all, thank you. Uh, and you're right. I see a lot of uh, platform, I'll call them big influencers, where they are just beginning to, to take over a YouTube channel or a platform stage. And, and maybe they've been around for decades, but they have very little in their own kind of reserve of actual experience. They're great at marketing, but not, and maybe write, written a few books, but maybe they don't have the actual wisdom, just a, a bunch of uh, marketing pony tricks, as you say. Um, what do you feel like uh, is happening right now in the real estate world? As you look into the future of let's this is the crystal ball question, Roger. So grab it if you got right. one. Um, yeah, I just got it out of the repair shop the other day. It's working again now. <laughs> I my batteries have been dead on that on mine for a long time. So what's what's going on in the real estate space? Where are things headed? Interest rates, property values. I heard the other day people are back again to asking and competing above asking price in certain markets. What's going on? All right. Those, those are good questions. And if I may, I, I want to brag on myself a little bit here. Okay. Is, is this, when the pandemic the first hit, most of the big prognosticators across the country, um, I'm, I'm talking Zillow, Realtor.com, uh, Redfin, and others that were putting out, um, those are the ones that you might have heard of, but some others that you haven't heard of. They were putting out their reports, revising what they thought was going to happen with real estate. And in general, the general consensus was real estate would be down 2.8 to 3% year over year by the end of 2020. I took a contrarian view back in April. And here's why. Interest rates are at an all-time low. And when I look at the market fundamentals, and now that I'm not really a nerd, but I'm kind of a nerd. So I look at the things behind the interest rates and I look at the things that drive the decisions about interest rates and I've got charts and graphs, but interest rates are going to stay low for at least another couple of years, maybe longer. Um, this is historic because these interest rates are so low. The cost of money is so low. Next inventory is very tight. We already had an inventory crisis going on before the pandemic. And to the extent that uh, two factors, the pandemic slowed down construction and um, tariffs affecting the price of imported pine lumber and aluminum. Those things have, have caused construction costs to skyrocket. Well, this contributes to an increasing shortage of inventory on the ground. And what that means is the markets are heating up. It's a supply and demand thing. It's pretty easy for me to see sitting there back in April. Supply and demand, people are still going to want to move. People are still going to want to live their lives. Interest rates are low. I don't see I don't see this creating a big crisis in real estate. Then I had other conversations behind the scenes with some movers and shakers about what's going to happen with foreclosures. This is a little known underreported fact that in, 2000, uh, in uh, February of 2000, or 2020, we reported the lowest rate of foreclosure in history. Now, that was before the pandemic. And we've been tracking this for years on the show. And the reason for that is the lending guidelines that were put into place after the crash of 2008. It's tougher to get a loan. And they actually have a written federal rule now that borrowers must demonstrate the ability to repay the loan 
before the loan can be made. You would think they wouldn't have to make a rule for that, but uh, they did because that wasn't the rule in the years leading up to the crash of 2008-9. And so I'm listening to people saying, we're going to have a big real estate crash in 2020. I mean, this was last year. People were saying it. And I'd say, why? Well, because real estate crashes every 10 years. Well, what are the underlying reasons that are going to cause it to crash? I don't know. It's just a cycle. It's got to follow the cycle. I discount that. Okay. The only other major national commentator uh, that was kind of taking my side back in the spring was Logan Motoshami from Housing Wire. And you talk about a nerd. That guy's got charts and graphs like crazy. Now, all that is to say, we have been shown to be correct. The market is up right now nationwide. The average increase of, of prices in real estate year over year, it, just a report just yesterday, 5.8%. Now, I projected that we were not going to be down. We were going to be up around 3%. And it's 5.8%. Atlanta is lagging behind the national average at 5.1%, but that's okay. 5% rate of increase in, in home prices is staggering. That is beyond appreciation. Okay? So what's going to happen going into 2021? People are coming to me and asking me, you know, what if Biden gets elected? What if Trump gets reelected? Um, and everyone has uh, nightmare scenarios and they have their, oh, it'll be a blessing scenario, depending on their candidate of choice. And what I say to everyone is just relax. When it comes to real estate, it doesn't matter who's running the country. It doesn't matter what party is in charge. As long as our country maintains private property rights, and the rule of law, to some extent, real estate is going to be viable and sound as an investment. And as long as we have low interest rates, the cost of capital is going to make it so that you're able to take down a lot of uh, income-producing properties that you couldn't do if the interest rates were even 7 or 8%, which isn't a bad interest rate, historically speaking. But at 3%, there is so much more that you can do. It's practically free money. Wow. Well, as we're wrapping up here, I want you to kind of, again, tell us as a, as a guy who's, who's done it and is doing it, you're, you're on the ground. You're not just speaking from a lofty tower. You're not an academic. You got your hands in properties. You're making it happen and you're helping other people make it happen. So I have two final questions and then how we can get in touch with you. One, when you encounter um, a, a problem or a, or a, an, You've, you've hit some major roadblocks in your life, in your business, and real estate specifically. What do you do to overcome trouble or problems? That's, you know, what's the specific tactic or strategy you use to overcome that issue or that, or that uh, roadblock? That's my first question. And then I have a second question, but I'll let you go for that one first. Okay. <laughs> um, roadblocks. Well, it goes without saying that uh, for, for those of us that pray, prayer is one of the things, and I've got a whole other theory about that. I think sometimes the roadblock, roadblocks come into our lives because God misses us. <laughs> yeah. That's the only time we tend to talk to him, mm -hmm. <laughs> or mm -hmm. when we talk earnestly anyway, other than bless the food. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but, okay, in real estate, the, the um, it's always changing. And one of the illustrations that I use is, um, have you seen the flocks of starlings, the murmuration 
where 10,000 birds will be flying around and then they'll change directions. And swoop yeah. That's Swarm. really what real estate investing is. There's always something new over here and then over here. And then when 10,000 others get there, this isn't any good anymore. We go over here hmm. and you know, there's really nothing new under the sun when it comes to real estate. The, the new methods that people are touting are just revised versions of old methods that have been done before. So when you hit a, a roadblock, um, the first thing I do is to ask myself, what bad decision did I make to put me here? And then try to make better decisions in the future, but still we're here. So now we have to find a way out of this. Uh, sometimes I've found myself in a jam and the hardest thing to do is just pick up the phone and call someone uh, with bad news. So what I do is I make that the first phone call of the day, <laughs> get it over with Yeah. and um, relate the bad news. Always be honest, admit that you've made mistakes if that's what it needs to be. Sometimes the, the roadblocks come from your own mistakes. Sometimes roadblocks come from the market itself. Uh, in fact, I did a strategy call just a little while ago with the lady um, and encouraged her to go out in her front yard, look at the city of Atlanta from her front yard, and then turn around and look the other direction, 180 degrees. I said, that's your territory. Atlanta is saturated with investors. You know, I have 6,000 people in my Atlanta network. Uh, that's a lot of investors, and there are more than that. Um, so maybe don't look for properties where a thousand other investors are looking because bids go up, margins come down, opportunity is diminished. Uh, and we had to do this when the hedge funds came to town. Uh, we can't compete with them because we're not willing to operate on the thin margins that they were. So therefore we had to find what they were not buying and go where they were not present. That's the only way we could continue to be in business. So it's always going to be, a matter of being flexible to adjust and uh, read the book, Who Moved the Cheese? It, you can read it in an afternoon and go find some new cheese somewhere else. There are obstacles that come into path into our path that we can deal with and we can move and we can overcome. But I think that at least probably half the time, it's not worth the effort. Just go somewhere else, do something else. It's a big world, a lot of opportunity out there. Go against the swarm. Look, uh, look to the blue ocean. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All those things are good. Yeah. Awesome, Roger. Very cool. And then if you couldn't leave your family money, you couldn't leave them a single door in your portfolio and you were back to net zero, let's say for some reason, but you could leave them a habit, um, a book, a thought, a proverb, a principle, what would you leave them? I think I've already said it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There you go. And lastly, what would you put on your tombstone? I think you shared this with me and I'm not putting you on the spot here uh, if you don't recall this, but last time we talked, you shared something that went on your, was going to go on your tombstone. I've been repeating it to my wife over and over again since you said it. Do you remember what's supposed to go on <laughs> yeah. your tombstone? Besides pepperoni, of course. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not really planning to have a tombstone. I've looked into the theology of it and I think it's okay for us to be cremated. But there you go. if I were going to have a tombstone, I would have it say he was getting better at this. That's awesome. Very Life cool. Improvement. Yeah. yeah. He was getting better at this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. How can people find you? Uh, and where's the best place for them to learn more about all you're doing? Well, I'm pretty easy to find if you Google Roger Blankenship and don't click on the MMA fighter of the same name. I'm not that guy. 
um, you're probably going to find me, but I have a website, rogerblankenship.com. My website for the show, flippingamerica.net is actually being revised. Um, and, but that will be a resource. And if you're interested in the RIA, maybe if you want to start your own local group, um, we, we hope to have two or 300 of these local groups, go to flippingamericaria.com. All of those will work and you can get to any of them from the others. Thank you, Roger, for your, all your wisdom. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, keep leading the kickball team. Yeah, thanks. What a great thing to have on a tombstone. He was getting better at this. That's what I took away, among many things, from our good friend, Roger. Again, becoming better and always improving was one of my big takeaways I learned from Roger. He certainly, like all of us, hasn't lived a semi-charmed life. He's had his rough spots and uh, rough goes of things fits and starts in his business and more. But boy, what a guy to show resilience. And in, in terms of leadership, he made it very simple. You're leading if other people are following. If you're not, then I guess you'd question if you're really a leader at all. So take a moment, ask yourself who's following you. Maybe it's just your own children. Maybe it's just one or two people. Maybe it's 9,000 people in your real estate club. Maybe it's a million plus people listening to you every month, whoever and whatever you have leadership and you have the ability to make the world a better place for those who follow you. Thank you everyone for joining me for this week's episode with Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and lead differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.